If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 202 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on November the 19th in the year 2023. It is still an adjustment for me to say the episode number Every week for the last couple episodes now, still adjusting to the fact that we are in the 200s. I still can't believe it. Well, how we doing, my good people? It has been a couple of weeks. Took off again last week as my bi-weekly off-season format has. Unless something big happens, of course. And I will say this right now. This is going to be just one of many things we get into today, as I'm sure you can imagine. After all the stuff with Hal and Cashman last week, I damn near did another episode for a second week in a row last Sunday, (laughs) but I chose not to ultimately because there was just a lot going on last weekend. There's a lot even going on this weekend. I got some family over this weekend for like a Thanksgiving sort of a thing before the real thing this Thursday and a happy Thanksgiving to all of you in advance, by the way, because of that. But I'm still even busy this weekend, but I couldn't go three weeks without talking to you guys. So just missed one week and here I am back again sticking to the bi-weekly off-season format, so I am back here yet again today, here on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. It is gorgeous out. It's probably around, I don't know, like anywhere from like 57 to 60 degrees, and we're going to be heading towards the back end of November soon, so all things considered, that is very nice. I'm definitely never going to complain about the warmth sticking around for a little longer than usual because I love the warmth and hate the cold, so you will never hear any complaints about that here. But otherwise, guys, yeah, I damn near did an episode last weekend, no lie. (laughs) Those got to me so much, and I was so emotional that as of that very night, I was like, I'm probably going to do an episode this coming Sunday. I was saying that about a week and a half ago. But then I ended up not. Here I am again. But then because obviously next weekend, even more so because it is going to be Thanksgiving weekend, I will not be doing an episode again next Sunday as to likely be expected. So the next time I talk to you will be in December just as an extra heads up to you guys ahead of time. I'm not sure what the exact date will be two Sundays from now, but it will be in December. I'm just going to check on that right now. It's going to be December 3rd. So December 3rd is going to be the next time you hear from me after today. Definitely not next weekend, also because of the bi-weekly thing, but mostly because obviously it is Thanksgiving weekend, and I'm going to be spending the entire weekend with family doing lots of crap. So no episode next Sunday, but I'll be back December 3rd, and we will be ever closer to the highlight, what I call the highlight of the offseason at that point, which, of course, is the winter meetings. That's right around the corner. But even without those guys, right now, as of these last couple of weeks, a lot of stuff has happened. There's a lot that we're going to go through today. Lots going on between Cashman and Hal, between a lot of discussion with Juan Soto, between the first minor trade that the Yankees actually made a couple of days ago, some non-tendering has happened, as it usually does happen just a couple of weeks after the World Series usually, just a few guys the Yankees did not tender contracts to right off the bat, and now they are free agents, so we'll go through that. 
There's some news about the bench coach position with Carlos Mendoza not being here anymore. A new hitting coach is here. Cy Young Award. (laughs) So much has happened. Some rumors going on about who the Yankees are talking to and and who they're in on. Oh my gosh, we got plenty to talk about today in Yankees news. So I'm only going to spend a couple more minutes here in the intro before we just dive right in because we are coming in hot today, as the episode title tells you. But lots going on. Lots going on so early on here. So if this is really like the predecessor to tell us what's going to happen this offseason, it should be a fun one. I see a couple of people out there on social media saying, Oh yeah, the offseason is going at snail's pace so far. Well, they must not be Yankee fans because so far the discussion is red hot. The hot stove is hot so far, even if nothing crazy has happened yet officially. But there's a lot of discussion going around. Lots of moves going on on the coaching staff at least, bench coach, hitting coach, and awards going on. Not too many other awards except for like the Roberto Clemente Award with... Judge and the Gold Glove with Anthony Volpe, of course, which he spoke about the last episode. Now the Cy Young Award, which we'll get to a little bit later. Who the Yankees are in touch with, who they could possibly get. Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner up to their usual shenanigans. Can't believe I even said that word in 2023. But yeah, there's a lot to talk about. And of course, after Yankees news, we'll have our social media segment. I got an open-ended question for you again this week. A couple of weeks ago was a Q&A. Now I'm coming back at you with a question for you to answer. I want to hear your opinions on it. And of course, I'll give mine before I get to your replies. So lots to get to today, guys. But before we do fully get into it today, I of course want to spend just another moment wishing you guys all ahead of time a very happy Thanksgiving. I hope you guys enjoy the day, the weekend with the family. I hope a lot of you have off from work. I am very glad to have off from work myself. Because the last couple of years of my prior hellish job in the radio industry where I managed a radio station, holidays were a foreign concept. This is now the first year or half year, I should say, since I jumped ship around the middle of the year that I'm actually getting to enjoy again for the first time in a long time after not having a life for a while. Holidays and regular things that most people experience on the regular. So that's been nice again. I know that there are plenty of other people in plenty of other professions who don't get to do that. And to those of you, God bless you, because I knew how you felt for some years. And it was not fun. <laughs> it was not fun. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you are in much more important positions than radio station manager, especially if you're in the medical industry and whatnot. I know especially those people seldom get a lot of holidays. But nonetheless, if you're in an essential job, of course, I am very thankful to you. But for me, being in a radio station manager job, which, yeah, it's not as important as being on the front lines in the medical industry, being like an emergency worker or something of the sort, but it's still a pretty big position. Unfortunate that it had to stop my life for a while, but here we are again getting to enjoy the little things yet again and really just learning to not take them for granted. That's the important thing, and that's an important lesson for a lot of things in life, but for me, that's really what it is now, just really appreciating getting to enjoy the little things and for a lot of people are big things, but you know, I forgot about them for a while because they inevitably became a foreign concept to me for a while, but now I'm getting to experience them again and I'm very grateful for it. So a good lesson for us all, I suppose. And with that being said, I do still hope that you all have a very happy Thanksgiving this weekend and enjoy, relax, do what you want to do. 
spend time with those you love the whole nine yards. So that's that, my friends. But yeah, I cannot believe it is Thanksgiving already. Holy crap. That is right, Frank Barone. Facts, facts, facts. My gosh. Just can't keep track of time anymore. Got no concept of time. It was also very difficult to keep concept of everything that flew at us these last couple of weeks when it comes to the Yankees, guys, because my goodness gracious. <laughs> Let's just dive right in. Yankees news, baby. So much happened. Again, not even all of it was real official news of any legitimate moves going down. Not a lot of it was, but just, oh my God, all the stuff that happened, all the talk. Hal and Cashman, oh my goodness. We're going to get to all of it. We're getting to all of it. That has taken place these last couple of weeks since we last spoke two Sundays ago. Only question is, where do I even begin? Because <laughs> that's really the tough one here. I guess I'll start at the beginning based off of what happened in chronological order and then just bounce around from there based off of uh, relevance and if there was any follow-up on that specific story that I hit on or whatever. So I guess I'll start at the beginning, but not long after I finished taping episode 201 two weeks ago, there were reports that came out, and you know that I've been talking like crazy about Juan Soto the last bunch of weeks because I've just been getting myself all hyped up for him, probably to ultimately be disappointed anyway, but still nonetheless, I like to dream, what can I tell you? And really acknowledge the truth that he would be the best possible option to fill one of the two outfield spots. But anyways, right after the last time we got done fanboying over Juan Soto, <laughs> reports came out right as I was editing episode 201, that the Padres general manager wanted to hold on to Soto for at least the first half of 2024 to see if the Padres could at least compete, therefore obviously making a trade less likely. So basically I was like, all right, I guess I'll go screw myself then because I was just basically talking about Juan Soto more or less for over an hour and a half and immediately right when I'm editing said episode, the GM comes out and says that he's probably not going anywhere. So great, awesome. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> but then on Wednesday, Scott Boris spoke up, who is obviously the agent to Juan Soto, and he also said that Juan Soto will not be traded and that he's in the Padres' plans for 2024. So now you have the Padres' GM and probably the one closest to Juan Soto when it comes to making deals and negotiating and just his right-hand man, really, in this whole thing. And we all know the kind of agent that Scott Boris is and how he tends to operate. He's one of the more infamous agents in all of baseball, taking on a lot of different clients. And Juan Soto happens to be one of them. But, of course, we all know that agents happen to sometimes make statements to the public just to get people talking or to, I don't know, switch up negotiations or ensure that they get something more back in exchange or to ensure that something is to benefit the client later down the road, like in the case of Juan Soto, maybe after the trade, there's a big extension with the amount of money that they would both want. So just sometimes an agent, what I'm trying to say is they have an angle. So you can't really take 100% stock in what they say necessarily, but it is still a big statement to make that he says that Juan Soto will not be traded and he sounded pretty adamant about it. So then on Friday... <laughs> So it's like basically every other day there's another new thing running counter to what Scott Boris and the Padres general manager said. Buster Olney takes to social media and says that there is a 100% chance that Soto is traded before the 2024 season. So who do we listen to? 
is the question. Who do you listen to? Could the organization be trying to work an angle? Could Buster only just be getting people to talk? Could they all be telling the truth from their perspectives right now? They just don't really know for sure. I don't know. Who do you listen to? They're conflicting reports. And they go even further than that. There have even been quotes from my personal favorite baseball reporter, and he's also the most accurate and the most honorable, in my opinion, Jeff Passan. I have praised him many times, rightfully so, on this show and on social media. He has also taken to social media and said that he truly believes that Juan Soto will be traded and that Yankee fans in particularly should start to get excited. So you have two reputable reporters in Olney and Passan, especially Passan in my opinion. Passan's my guy. Love him. But then you have the Padres GM and Scott Boris, Juan Soto's agent, saying that he won't be going anywhere. So it's a 2v2. Two of them are really in and next to Juan Soto, like they're really close to him, because obviously the Padres GM, he's the general manager of said player, who is still with the Padres as of now, and then you have his agent. But then you also have two very reputable reporters, especially, and I want to highlight this, keep on highlighting and give him the credit he deserves, Jeff Passan. And that's my guy. I believe in him and almost take his word as gospel, if we're being really honest right now. So again, the question becomes, who in the hell do we listen to? I personally, when Passan says something, I listen. And I allow myself to get completely excited, even if it doesn't come to fruition, ultimately. Sometimes even irrationally so, because that's how much I trust Passan. But, so I'm I'm getting a little bit more courageous, even though I also acknowledge that there's a very good chance that it's still not going to happen. Because even if the Padres do ultimately look to trade him... The Yankees actually have to be willing to go through with it and put up a package that the Padres would be willing to take in exchange for Juan Soto. So there's still a lot that has to happen beyond just the Padres saying, oh yeah, you know, we'll give him to you. There's a lot that has to happen on the Yankees' end. Are they willing to do it? Are they willing to put a package together that the Padres like and would be willing to participate in? So there are a lot of other questions surrounding this, but it's basically just all the chaos going on, all the talk throughout the week before last in particular, and even part of this week, because I'm pretty sure Passan really mainly took to social media this past week to say that there's a really good chance that Soto gets dealt and Yankee fans should start to get excited about it. I believe it was on the Michael K show he said it, so it was on a big platform too. Not that Passan doesn't have a big platform of his own, he very much does, but even more so on the Michael K show, that's a big deal. A lot of people listen to the Michael K show, especially here in New York, obviously, so... There's a lot of talk going on about Juan Soto. Conflicting reports, which could confuse a lot of us both, you know, mentally and emotionally, as it has me. I don't really know what to think right now. And that may or may not have to do with the social media segment later. But anyway, so that's the deal when it comes to trading Juan Soto. I've been speaking a great deal about it, obviously. I am desperate for the Yankees to do so. I believe that being a left-handed hitter, having playoff and even World Series and championship experience... And being as young as he is in just his mid-20s still. So if you want to bring him over and then extend him afterwards, it wouldn't be as outrageous as some of the contracts that the Yankees have handed to other people who are far older than him. I just think that Juan Soto is, pun intended, quite the home run here. They need an outfield, two outfield positions that desperately need filling. And he would fill at least one of them. So, I mean, my question is, I mean, 
as long as you could put a good package together that the Padres would be willing to participate in, what are you waiting for if you're the Yankees? That's the question I've been asking for weeks now. But of course, they have to be willing to do so. And there are a lot of other outfielders in on the discussion. Since the trade deadline, Dylan Carlson has been in the discussion. You also have people talking about Kevin Kiermeyer still. Yeah, people talking about Bellinger. There's so many names out there that people have thrown around for months now, and even more so of late as off-season discussion and the hot stove has continued to heat up. But Juan Soto's my guy, man, because Cody, I've explained my fears about him, him having not really been anything at all for three years prior to just this past season, and then now you're going to have to give him a ton of money at the risk that he could very well regress. I'm not saying he's a bad option. I'm saying he could be potentially scary. Makes me a little uneasy. And with guys like Kevin Kiermeyer and, and otherwise, I mean, I guess I'd be okay with them filling in in the absence of someone like Jason Dominguez if you do still have full intention of him being the center fielder when he comes back in June or July of this year. Or, I mean, he could end up being included in a potential Juan Soto package if they end up going down that route. Only time will tell, and you cross that bridge when you get to it based off of what happens with the Juan Soto deal, because in my opinion, that should take first and foremost highest priority. But if you want Dominguez to be a part of that outfield, then getting Juan Soto and then waiting on Dominguez to come back, maybe taking on Kiermaier, someone like Kiermaier for the meantime, on the cheap, while making plenty of other moves that could help other situations with the Yankees. In other words, Kiermaier can't be one of the only things you do, otherwise it's an L. Then I'd be okay with that. But Juan Soto's still got to be the main guy you get. He's still got to be the guy. I'm sorry. So I will continue to get unnecessarily sometimes hyped up about even the remote possibility of getting Juan Soto because that would objectively be the best thing for the Yankees no matter what anybody out there tells you. There are still... Beyond my comprehension, people out there trying to convince themselves why Juan Soto would be a bad move for the Yankees. I would love for someone to plausibly explain to me and sensically explain to me how that could possibly be a rational thought in your mind that Juan Soto would be a bad move for the Yankees. Saying, oh, could he handle New York? Would he regress here? What signs are there that he would regress here? Oh, he didn't do that much for San Diego because he batted in the 270s or 280s. Oh, so you're saying that's a low for his career? If that's a low point, then what exactly is your point? Because if that's the lowest, hell, sign me up. I mean, come on. What kind of logic is this that I'm hearing from some people across social media? Come on, guys. You'd rather take a bigger risk for far more money on someone older too, on Bellinger? Than Juan Soto, who is widely considered to be a generational talent, and rightfully so? Come on, guys, get a clue. I'm not saying it's guaranteed to work out. Nothing's a guarantee in life. Except for death and taxes, as they say. But otherwise, nothing else is a guarantee in life. So, I'm not saying it's a far-gone conclusion. But which one is more likely to work out? And which one's more likely to work out better than the other? I mean, if you argue anything other than Juan Soto, then you're just lying to yourself. I'm sorry, you're lying to yourself. And you might as well stop immediately because you are wasting your breath for no good reason. You give up a necessary package for him, even if it stings a little bit because you got to give something to get something, as we know. You give up what you have to. Which again, outside of Judge and Cole and maybe, maybe one or barely two others. 
everybody else, in my opinion, is up for grabs if the Padres are willing to take it on. I know they're looking for some young pitching, major league ready talent, potentially looking to shed some payroll. But on the Yankees' perspective, almost anybody to get this kid on this team because he single-handedly could put this organization in a better direction. I'm not saying guarantee a title right away. There's still other work to do. But definitely put them in a much more solid direction for them to make a much more legitimate run at things. Absolutely. And if you say anything less, you are lying straight through your teeth. These are things you just cannot deny people. So you get that done doing almost anything, basically anything that you have to do. And then you also have to do it with the idea that you're going to extend him afterwards because especially if you're going to give away a respectable package, you can't just do it for him to be a one-year rental. You should extend him afterwards. And like I said, that's not even grounds to say that this is a bad move because, oh, he would just be a rental. Who says he'd be a rental? You extend him. Well, why extend him? I mean, you don't want to pay him a bunch of money and keep him around for a long time. He's in his mid-20s. It's not like you're giving a boatload of money and extending him long-term, and he's 32 years old already. Probably going to be out of his prime in a couple of years. No, he's in his mid-20s. And he's accumulated great experience so early on in his career already. There is literally not one con that you can tell me to make me believe that Juan Soto would be a crap fit here before it even officially begins. Not one So stop making excuses and trying to rationalize factually worse choices for the Yankees to pursue. Especially with me, you are wasting your breath. And not one of these moves, whether it be Juan Soto or anybody else, should be the only thing done because as we have well established, the Yankees have a lot of work to do in a lot of areas. Offense is the number one concern and filling two outfield spots, at least until Jason Dominguez comes back and he is missing at least, give or take, half the season in 2024. So you have still got work to do in the outfield beyond just one position. You have also got the starting rotation, which we have spoken about at a great length with Yoshinobu Yamamoto which we'll also get to in a second because there's a bit of an update on him. And if you want to upgrade anywhere else, then fine. I hear a lot of people saying, oh, they could add an extra reliever and the bullpen's got to be attention to. Bullpen's on the bottom of the list of priorities. I'm not saying you can't add there at all. I'm saying in comparison to other aspects of the team that need a lot more help, it's at the bottom of the list. Got a lot of work to do. So, Personally, I don't care whether the Yamamoto signing or the Soto trade happens first, if either of them are to even happen, but in the event that they are going to happen, just get them done. I'm not saying it's got to happen tomorrow. Winter meetings are yet to happen, and usually things start to heat up after that, typically. Some smaller scale moves usually happen before that. You know, awards start to happen, non-tendering happens, some talks happen, maybe some minor trades happen, like the one the Yankees made a couple of days ago, which we'll get to in a second, but... Big things usually start happening, winter meetings, and then after. So if you got to wait until after that, then fine. But get it done. Get it done. Those two things should be the highlights of the offseason. If you want to be taken seriously for the Yankees. So speaking of trades, like I just said, the one they made a couple of days ago, I guess I'll stay on topic with that. That's basically what i got to say about Juan Soto, more or less. Nothing I haven't said for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks now. But the trade that the Yankees made a couple of days ago, I'll mention this, 
is that they did trade away Jake Bowers. So Jake Bowers is gone. Adios. Done. He is off to Milwaukee. And the Yankees got back two minor league outfielders, Jace Avina and Brian Sanchez. So there's that. Big news there. Jake Bowers is gone. And Jake, he had his moments here with his home runs. It was mainly the power that he showed from the left side of the plate, but my God, were there a lot of blunders. He did have his time where, especially because, I mean, listen, the, the entire lineup, with the exception of Glaber Torres, on the grand scheme of the entire season, was just miserable, especially because the chunk of the season the Yankees were missing Judge, of course, as well. So it was miserable. We don't got to recap the 2023 season. We unfortunately all know what took place. But... There were times where the Yankees were just desperate for offense, more desperate than just about any other team, especially considering how many offensive categories they finished damn near last or maybe in last throughout the entire sport. So we all know about that. But Jake Bowers, at certain points, was a bat of desperation. By that I mean, collectively as a fan base, watching this team every day, unfortunately, in 2023, even if we knew they weren't great... There were certain hitters out there that we knew had some flashes of production. And when they were going through these flashes of production, we were almost like homeless people on the side of the street just trying to get anything we can and begging for more. And whenever Jake Bowers went through his power tears, and he did, he'd just be hitting home runs on top of home runs on top of home runs in little windows of time, then we'd be desperate to get him up to the plate. And he, like a few others fell into that category. So there were times where the home runs were fun, they were desperately needed because we were trying to get our hands on any and all offense that we could in 2023 as Yankee fans. But there were a lot of blunders with Jake Bowers as well. A lot of cons. His defense stunk the vast majority of the time. He was a joke. Dropped a few balls that he should not have at all. The arm is all over the place. It was just not fun to watch. And also, when he wasn't hitting home runs, all the the striking out, I mean, I know this is a common theme with the Yankees, but I mean, my God, he just became tough to watch, especially in the final stretch there. He was tough. And there were some times where the Yankees would shoehorn him into the lineup there towards the end unnecessarily, and we'd be like, do they just feel like giving away outs today? Like, seriously. But he did have his moments... But he also had his awful moments, plenty of them. And ultimately, he was one of the worst players I had seen don the Yankee uniform in some time. When you put it all together and look at it as a whole, it was pretty bad a lot of the time. Did have his moments, but a lot of bad moments too. Lots of bad. But I still wish him the best of luck. Wasn't a bad guy, was enthusiastic to be here, enjoyed his time here. I didn't have a problem with him at all, so I wish him the best of luck in Milwaukee. But that's the latest on Bowers, despite some home run tears and Yankee fans being desperate for some offense, me included, taking great joy in those home run spurts. Otherwise, it's not going to be too much that we miss about Jake Bowers. Not too much. They helped him in some ways with his swing, and that did come out at certain points, but on the whole, not going to miss too much when it comes to his ability on the field. When it comes to non-tendering, I guess we're just doing some internal matters right now when it comes to the Yankees. Non-tendering contracts, that time came around. So obviously, towards the beginning of the offseason, each organization 
has their share of players that they can either tender a contract or they can choose to non-tender them and have them go to free agency, try to get them back either that way or obviously they sign somewhere else. They have non-tendered three players this time around. Those three are Albert Abreu, Anthony Masevich, and Lou Trevino in the bullpen. So they are now free agents. That is about $7 million, give or take, of the payroll alleviated as of now. And since they are officially free agents, that also vacates three spots on the 40-man roster, obviously. So they are free agents right now, not guaranteed gone as of yet, because obviously they could still renegotiate something else. But they're not being tendered contracts as of now, which gives them less of a chance of returning, of course, but still not a far-gone conclusion or a guarantee. But um, I'd be fine with parting ways with all three. I mean, Misevich doesn't really do anything for me. He was only here for a very brief time anyway. Trevino, he did have his good moments when they first got him at the deadline, along with Frankie Montas in 2022. But then, of course, he is missing significant time now because he had to get Tommy John surgery. And that was back in May, and he didn't throw a single pitch for the Yankees in 2023, and we won't see him throw a single one in 2024, at least until maybe May or June, because recovery time for him is about a year. That is if he is to even come back. So he has missed significant time, another unfortunate injury instance when it comes to the complete failure that ended up being the 2022 deadline, not to mention the absolute travesty that would take place in 2023 at the deadline as well, so... But that's another story for another day, folks. So Lou Trevino's in that situation, even though he had some very, very good times coming out of the Yankee bullpen in the second half of 2022, pitching to an ERA in the mid-ones, because he did do that good, and I appreciate that. Didn't throw a single pitch last year and will still be out to at least start 2024 because of the Tommy John surgery. He's 32 years old, so ultimately, of the three, I guess he'd be the best to bring back, obviously, because I could not care less about Albert Abreu. So I guess that covers all three of them. But if you want to bring Trevino back on a lower deal, obviously because he's coming off an injury and you'd be willing to wait for him in 2024, then fine if you want to re-add him back to the bullpen. But again, you're going to have to go a little bit without him to at least start the year. So if you're okay with that, then I guess bring him back. But otherwise, ultimately, I guess I'm okay with parting ways with all three if they end up signing elsewhere. That's fine. So that's your non-tendering update. Let's talk about the Yankees coaching staff a bit because there are some updates when it comes to that. Like I said, a lot happened these last two weeks since the last time we spoke. Lots to hit on. So first off, let's hit on the bench coach situation because just when we thought that the hitting coach position was the only vacancy the Yankees had to worry about filling, well, now they have to worry about filling the bench coach position because not only is the hitting coach position now taken care of, but Carlos Mendoza the Yankees bench coach for a long time now, as we know. Originally started here as an infield and quality control coach. That was his first job with the Yankees in the big leagues after the 2017 season. And then he was, of course, named the bench coach in November of 2019, so four years ago to the month. So for a while now, he's been the bench coach. But now, out of nowhere, was not expecting this, the Mets hired him to be their new manager. Obviously, we know Buck Showalter and the Mets parted ways weeks ago. And now Carlos Mendoza is the new manager. I don't have any problems with Mendoza when he was here. He would be the guy to especially take over for Boone whenever Boone was ejected as well. He'd usually be the interim manager in that case for the remainder of that whatever game it was that Boone got thrown out in, which Boone does have his fair share of ejections, as we know. So Mendoza did actually get to manage quite a bit. (laughs) 
<laughs> but he's now the Mets manager. It's an odd direction that I didn't anticipate the Mets going in. I especially thought after coming off of someone experienced like Buck Showalter that they would stay in that arena. Carlos Mendoza has never managed at the major league level before, so an interesting experiment here by the Mets. And for the Yankees now, it's another vacancy that they have to fill. So they'll probably promote somebody from within. I'd be surprised if they didn't to bench coach, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. But congrats to Carlos on the promotion, I would say. Definitely getting an even bigger job, getting to be a manager in the major leagues. The Mets taking a chance on him. So congrats to Carlos. They wish him the best. And the Yankees are now without a bench coach, but they are not any longer without a hitting coach because James Rosen has officially taken the job. So he is now the Yankees' new hitting coach. He was the Tigers' assistant hitting coach prior to this. And prior to that, he had actually been in the Yankees' system as a hitting coach in the minors to start out. So he already has history within the Yankee organization, just not on a big league level before the Tigers gave him that opportunity as the assistant hitting coach. So he was in the Yankees' minor league system for a while, and because of that, he actually has developed... Lots of good relationships with players before, even someone as prominent as Aaron Judge, who has spoken out about this in a great deal of support for it, and seems to be all for the move. So I will trust Aaron Judge with his intuition here and his opinion on this. Aaron Judge has been really given a lot of say, according to the Yankees, about what goes on this winter. Hal Steinbrenner himself has said he's even spoken to Judge when it comes to consulting people all throughout the organization about what they should do to right the ship, and judges had quite a big voice on that. So, Judge is very much in support of this. I am a little afraid in the sense that the Tigers, speaking about the Yankees being one of the bottom offenses in the league, well, unfortunately, you don't have to look any further than the Detroit Tigers to find yet another. So that freaks me out a little bit, that Rosen was at least a little part of that operation. But, Who knows, maybe it'll change here, and having already developed relationships with certain guys, especially someone as important as Aaron Judge, maybe maybe that'll have a positive result. I'm not going to judge somebody or say it's not going to work out before they even have one game to show what they're capable of, of adding to the mix. I don't think that the hitting coach position, and I've said this many times before, when it comes to the Yankees, will have too much input. I don't think they're as important as some people may say they are, or the Yankees may like to preach that they are. I do think that the vast majority of the input and what actually takes place with this team comes from far higher. Guys like Boone and the bench coach or the hitting coach, or even people under Cashman at any capacity, really. I think they have limited, very limited, if any, input. I think it comes from Cashman and his brain trust in particular. Maybe a little bit of the analytics department, which poorly uses analytics as far as the Yankees are concerned. I really wish they would find a way to use it better because I am pro-numbers and pro-old school. I like to balance them both. I think both need to be implemented, having a real feel for the game in real time, but also turning to the numbers and trying to come to a solid and factual conclusion For different situations. But I think a ton of what happens here, and I have a right to think this based off of what has happened here, and we hear a lot of people just voicing the same thoughts that Cashman does on repeat, basically. I think a lot of what happens with this organization comes from Cashman himself and a lot of people surrounding his brain trust directly. So 
yeah, I think there'll be limited input, but hopefully he can add a little bit of something. Maybe change little things here and there, I guess. I mean, it's all you can really hope for. I'm not going to crap on anybody before they even get a game to show what they can possibly add here. So, obviously, congratulations to Rosen. And I hope he can add literally anything helpful because Lord knows the Yankees freaking need it. Just a little bit of background on him as well on top of having developed some good relationships with players in the past when he was in the minor league system for the Yankees. He happens to be against launch angle talk and he believes in more of a holistic approach for hitting. So sounds a little bit old school for those who favor that a bit. And we've also heard a lot of talk about how Aaron Judge is emphasizing the importance of other stats that have taken a bit of a backseat in recent years, like batting average and RBIs. Which, yeah, RBIs are a bit of a circumstantial statistic, absolutely. But I think it's still important to a degree to show how often you come through in big situations where there are runners on base and your ability to drive runs in, even if it is your own via solo shot or something like that, anything of the sort. So I do think that you, you have to have a balanced approach. So, sounds like that's kind of what Rosen's into a little bit. And I think you need to balance everything. I don't like when people overstate stats like that, and I don't like when people understate them. I think you need to look at a little bit of everything. I think you should look at home runs, RBIs, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging, OPS, OPS+, WRC+. There are a number of stats you should look at. How often somebody walks, maybe even their stolen bases if they have some speed. There are a number of things that you should be looking at. Some people, when they make their arguments, even if it's just the advanced stats or the expected stats or the legitimate stats that I just mentioned... A lot of people only mention a couple of things just to support their argument. What about the big picture? That's the point. I like to try to paint myself as big a picture as possible to get as good an evaluation on someone as possible. I would think that's what everybody should be looking to do. Not just look to go on there and support their argument, even if it is objectively incorrect, and they're doing everything in their power to make it seem that it is not. So if Rosen can provide any or all input on said matter and emphasize the fact that we shouldn't forget some offensive stats, even if it makes our arguments appear to be incorrect, anything of the sort, and just works with guys like Aaron Judge, people who are that important to the Yankees, maybe it could help something. Who knows? It's a lot of talk about the Yankees discussing what they feel they could change to improve things and right the ship. We'll see what actually happens when it's go time. But otherwise, there's the news there. So one position gets filled, another vacated, and the Yankees still need a bench coach. So we'll see what happens with that. And really the last thing when it comes to what's going on internally with the Yankees, of course, is the big award that, yes, we may have all seen coming, and we were all saying, especially myself, for months now that it was virtually a lock. But it is important to officially hear it said, Garrett Cole, our amazing ace, is now our amazing Cy Young ace. Yep, there's your deserved applause. That is right, Garrett Cole, the new Cy Young Award winner for the American League. Blake Snell over in the National League, obviously. But this past Wednesday, this was officially announced, and I could not be happier for Garrett Cole, who could very well have won another one or two in the past, especially in 2019, if not for 
Another pitcher right in the same rotation as him and Justin Verlander, having equally as impressive or even slightly more impressive a season in 2019 than himself. But some may argue Garrett Coles was even more impressive, and that wouldn't be necessarily completely incorrect. They were both unbelievable in 2019. But my point is, there were other years in the past that Garrett may very well could have won his first Cy Young. But hey, better late than never, and I'm glad it could have been here with the Yankees for us to experience our amazing now Cy Young ace win his first Cy Young Award. So congratulations again to Garrett Cole. We all knew it was going to happen. Had the lowest DRA. Was the definition of a workhorse as always. Even when he does not have his best, he is out there pitching his heart out and keeping the other team off the scoreboard as much as humanly possible. Plenty of strikeouts, well over 200. About 210 innings pitched, which also doesn't happen too often with too many guys especially because of poor health throughout the sport, especially with pitchers. Just so many reasons why Garrett Cole was deserving of the Cy Young Award. And a lot of people crapping on him for the win total. Wins and losses don't matter, guys. He had a very good win-loss ratio because he had very few losses on the year. Only four, to be exact. And still 15 wins with a Yankee team that could not score runs if a gun were to their heads. Can you imagine if their offense were half respectable, how many wins this guy could have gotten? How many wins he was robbed of? He could have easily won 21-22 games, if you ask me. The vast majority of his outings, to which in 2023, he had 33 of them. The Yankees scored three runs or less in the vast majority majority of them, and he still managed to eke out 15 wins. So can you imagine if the Yankees had a competent offense, the win-loss total that he could have had, and this exposes why win-loss is not a good metric to measure a pitcher by. Got to go by ERA and plenty of other things. How many walks did they give up? How many home runs did they give up? And he was just spotless across the board. Phenomenal season for him. Nobody came close. He was the unanimous first-place vote to win the Cy Young, and rightfully so. So congratulations to Garrett. Could have very well have been at least his second Cy Young award again, especially after his 2019 season. He and Verlander were neck and neck, and there is an argument to be made that Garrett could have very well won that year as well. But nonetheless, if you had to pick, obviously I'd want the best for him, and this would be awesome if it were his second. But the fact that it is his first, and we get to experience it with him on the Yankees, leading the way and being a bright light in a season that gave much darkness... This is pretty freaking awesome, too, and I'm totally cool with that. So once again, Garrett Cole, congratulations on your first Cy Young Award. To say that it was much deserved is the understatement of the century. And I make a lot of understatements of the century, but that is certainly one of the higher-up ones, I promise. (laughs) So outside of that, that's a lot of the internal Yankee discussion, a lot of the rumors that have gone around and my takes and opinions on them all. Outside of the fact that there was also a report the Yankees reportedly touched base with Cody Bellinger. Not a surprise. They better at least touch base with everybody. They always claim that they do. So that's the bare minimum. But other than that, other than what I've saved for last here, <laughs> not too much else going on here when it comes to the Yankees and the rumors and what's actually happened, what's the state of certain awards or, or maybe the coaching staff. So that's really all when it comes to that, and I imagine we'll be getting more and more answers as the weeks continue on here, especially when it comes to actual things taking place here 
as the winter meetings come in and the offseason progresses here. And the cool thing about the winter meetings is that it literally starts two weeks from today when we next speak on December 3rd. So again, it is right around the corner, just weeks away, as I had originally mentioned. Does specifically, again, begin on Sunday the 3rd, which is, again, when we are speaking next. So that's awesome. That is really the start of when things really heat up, in my opinion, usually in the offseason. Some things will happen beforehand, yeah, but it's usually, that's the big one. So... We shall see what happens then, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about once those winter meetings do officially begin two weeks from today. But the big thing that I saved for last, as I'm sure you can imagine, guys, and I will have a lot to say on this. When we last spoke, today's the 19th, so that would have been the 5th two weeks ago. That week, Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman took to the media and had a great deal to say. Hal Steinbrenner handled it a bit better, if I had to say, definitely a lot more professional. Showed some frustration, as he damn well better, because of the disgraceful season that the Yankees just had. I do think he was a little short-sighted in mentioning things like, oh yeah, we're going to practice bunting more, because I think that is a big problem. Uh, Yeah, it could be a problem, but, you know, of all the issues that the Yankees have here, to make bunting, like, be on the forefront, I mean, come on, can you be that much more oblivious? And saying that, oh yeah, everybody came in and we said check your egos at the door and they went at each other, all the different departments saying what they think is wrong and giving their opinions on what could be wrong. Like guys, you just saw the entire crap show that just took place for six months plus and you guys are all disagreeing with each other and things got passionate at some point. I get that there's probably a great deal of frustration because of what did take place. That's not the part that I have an issue with. You damn well better be frustrated. I'd expect that. But to not, like, they say they're still working at it. Like, I don't know. There seems to be a lot of discrepancy and a lot of disagreements and division within this organization and all of its different departments. And I don't understand how it could be that severe and that misunderstood when it really should be pretty clear cut what the issue here is. The offense was a disgrace. We have to work on player health. And we have to put players here who give us the best chance of succeeding. And the fact of the matter is, the Yankees have not worked hard enough to do that the last few years. Particularly the last couple, to be more specific. Especially with trade deadline acquisitions, or lack thereof. And all the others that they have passed up on in recent years. That some of them have even held up a World Series trophy now. In that time. And I know that's a lot of a team effort, but you get what I'm trying to say. A lot of nonsensical statements made, especially by Brian Cashman, who, as we all know, is one of my least favorite, probably actually my least favorite person in the entire Yankees organization as of now, saying things like, oh, Gio Rochelle is no Josh Donaldson. Jordan Montgomery, not a part of our postseason plans, basically thinking, oh, he's, he's not, can't be a part of the rotation, he's not in our plans, doesn't really belong there. And that's just scratching the surface, guys. Just a lot of dumb things said in the past, as we know. Well, with him, that didn't stop here. But, yeah, other than Hal saying a few things that, I don't know, it just, it seems like he's so disconnected, and like he, he told everyone, oh yeah, get together and figure it out pretty much, and he doesn't really even seem like he has a definitive person to go to, like, I I don't know, it's just hard to explain. We should know what the biggest problems are without getting into scream fights, or, you know, getting into big arguments in a conference room with a bunch of people congregating together. 
it just seems like there are a lot of disagreements because he did say it did get passionate at times, even though it remained respectful, he said. But it got pretty hot at times. So there was definitely arguing. But where exactly could these discrepancies and disagreements lie? Because it's pretty clear cut. The Yankees haven't done a good enough job balancing the lineup. They haven't done a good enough job bringing different elements into the lineup, combining contact and power to the best of their ability, bringing in some lefties who actually make a difference. First and foremost, they have not given enough attention to player health because that has been a huge problem with this organization for years now. Big problem around the vast majority of the sport as well. I understand that, but the Yankees have been at the forefront of it. And all the improper allocation of the money, which falls to Brian Cashman, Just a bunch of different things. A lot of things strapping the Yankees from making other moves that they have to make. A lot of these fall to Brian Cashman. But is his job in any jeopardy? Hell no, it's not. Never will be. Especially after how unhinged he got in these last couple of weeks shows me even more that it's not. But with Hal, I guess he's doing what owners typically do, you know? He's he's making everybody else who he pays to give him a successful franchise figure out what the hell the problem is. And that's that. I mean, he's getting involved in some of the discussion, I imagine, because he's he's bringing up some of the things they talked about, bunting being one of them. I'm not completely outraged that he brought up bunting. It's just that, why is that like one of the first things you mention? Like, is it really that important to you guys? It could help things out, but to suggest that that's a major problem, no, it's not. The Yankees didn't even do the main thing that they are known for last year, and that's hitting home runs. They didn't even do that, let alone all the other issues that existed. So, I think they just still need a serious reality check. I don't like how they're kind of alluding to the fact, without saying specifically, that they're still like really working hard to dig deep and identify these problems. The problems are right in front of you, bro. Look at the offensive stats. Like It's all right there in front of you. You didn't get on base. You didn't put yourself into good positions to score. You didn't even hit home runs that much, which is really what you're mainly known for. You don't have a good balance in the lineup. The injuries were a disaster. I've grown more than tired of using them as an excuse, but they're still a massive problem. You can't deny that. Not using it as an excuse anymore. I haven't for a long time, because freaking fix the damn problem already. Or at least pour more resources into doing so because you're the New York freaking Yankees. But the real part that bothered me was a lot of what Brian Cashman said. And I didn't even bother to get clips of what he said, because not only was the sound quality not great, because he was facing away from the camera or whatever microphone was holding on to him when this video was being taken, when he was outside of a building that he was interviewed with, the media just like kind of like gave him a big interview, like John Heyman was there and Joel Sherman was there, a lot of big names were there. But he had one interview on Tuesday the 7th, almost two weeks ago, that had a lot of us just beyond outraged. I mean, defending people in his front office and throughout the organization, saying, quote, we've got good people, I'm proud of our people, and I'm proud of our process. Doesn't mean we're firing on all cylinders, doesn't mean we're the best in the class, but I think we're pretty effing good, personally, and I'm proud of our people. And the second reason, by the way, that I didn't even bother to get a clip of this is because I can't even stand to hear his freaking voice anymore when he says this, because it makes me so crazy. But 
basically just advocating more and more for the people within his organization. And I get to a certain degree he has to do that because otherwise what kind of a fool would he be to trash talk the people that he put into place as if he already didn't kind of do that in another instance, which I'll bring up in a second. But my God, the tone deafness and the nerve to defend your process, to defend your brain trust after what has taken place year after year as they continue to regress, especially in 2023. The nerve of Brian Cashman to go to the media and advocate this much to the point where he even uses profanity advocating for his people. My God, I don't expect you to openly come out here and trash them and whatnot, but to sound this arrogant as usual and this oblivious and tone deaf when you mean as much to this organization as you do and you hold the position that you do, my God, is this, to say the least, maddening beyond belief to hear this. And this just backs up even what I was saying before about there being clear division and frustration throughout the entire organization. I mean, all of you, Brian Cashman included, get on the same damn page and figure it out. As far as Cashman, I mean, in general, it's nothing I haven't said, but how the arrogance and the lack of self-accountability never ceases to amaze just when you think it can't humanly get any worse. I mean, the whole freaking video of this interview, aside from that quote that I gave you before, the whole video was basically him saying, yeah, I'm smart and know everything, and you peasants are all dumb. Well, screw you too, you dope. Who's the one mismanaging almost $300 million and seeing his ball club go out there this year in 2023 and win 82 lousy games with all the resources you're gifted to use, you moron? Certainly not I or anyone else listening right now, but what the hell do I know? I'm just a piece of garbage talking into a microphone in his room, right? Like I said before, I understand people get frustrated. Hell, listen to me right now. I'm livid. This happened a week and a half ago, and I'm still hot about it. You can internally think whatever you want. Whatever you want. But it's different when you say it to the media, to the public, when you objectively have boatloads to answer for and should be really careful with how you handle it in the public eye as the one who's supposed to be paid to be the professional getting people to passionately and financially support the Yankees it's another thing entirely to actually come out and say it as opposed to just thinking it no less when you are, number one, incorrect. Objectively. And number two, in as obnoxious, condescending, and arrogant of a tone as he did, with profanity and the whole nine. You are not all great, Brian. You may obviously know and have access to more than us being the GM of the Yankees. No debate there. But you have lots of failures to acknowledge and own up to. 
and do your best to make up for, even while having all of those resources. This is different from just fire and passion in an interview. This was uncalled for and inexcusable, especially given the context of how the Yankees did in 2023, the nerve to so strongly advocate for your people and your process and to insinuate amidst it all that you know all and nobody else does when you are being asked valid questions as to your failures and shortcomings. Instead of being vague about it and acknowledging that there's a lot that we need to work on, to be as harsh and condescending and arrogant as he came off as, completely different than just showcasing frustration and acknowledging that there's work that has to be done. Completely different. There is a massive line between that and what actually took place in that interview. There are a lot of people out there saying, oh, everyone wants Cashman to show his passion and fire, but then when he does, he has the whole world come down on him. That was not the passion and fire that people like me talk about. I tweeted all this right after the video dropped too. I went nuts on my Twitter account or X, whatever the hell you want to call it. I went nuts. You cannot tell me that there has been a single human being in any profession anywhere, like I said just before, that is so completely and fully comfortable in his job security. I mean, the way he acted the way he spoke, full impression that he has this job literally until death. It's wild. Despite how much I've already said in the past that I already felt it was like that. Especially after all this when Hal Steinbrenner made a statement that would allude to the fact that he really wasn't even reprimanded for going on this mini tirade with the media. I would think that Hal Steinbrenner would actually at least tell him, yeah, you got to control yourself a little bit more than that, Brian, because that was quite the outburst to have, and, and I quite literally pay you to be more professional than that, and if you're going to showcase frustration more maturely than that, then outrageously going to bat for a process that epically failed this past year and has seen a lot of regression the past few years, quite frankly, and also adding profanity on top of it. There are other ways to showcase frustration, rightful frustration, especially frustration in which you actually mention valid points which drive your points home even further. But no, I didn't get that impression from Hal that he was reprimanded at all. So there's that too when it comes to Cashman's apparent job security. These guys have always been talking about how they've been having internal discussions, getting passionate about it, and asking people to be open to criticism and hold themselves accountable, but I guess Cashman gets a pass for that. And unfortunately, it also shouts out to me that no serious or major change is on the way. Just have that feeling in me which I alluded to from the moment I felt the season was over. I've spoken about all the things that I would like for them to do and that there's a chance for them to do. But there's also that other part of me that just doesn't trust this organization to do what needs to be done, as they have failed to do so often in recent years. And I'm sorry, this confirmed it for me even more. I still have that part of me that wants to believe, that wants certain things to happen, and in a certain way, but there will always be that other part of me that just does not trust this organization as long as this man is in charge. I could still ultimately be wrong, but I have legit no factual reason to feel otherwise. To not still have that part of me 
that just doesn't trust them to do what has to be done. And it makes me feel even less confident that Cashman will do what has to be done because, I mean, this interview confirmed even more to me that this guy just feels like he has the job until death. As I said before, I just think he has it for the long haul. If he is fired at any point, I will genuinely be pretty surprised. Especially any point soon. I mean, if he ends up being too old and he's still around and, and gotten rid of for that reason, then maybe. But I mean, anytime soon, I don't see them firing him anytime soon. Definitely not. I just think that Hal is far too comfortable with him. And that part falls on Hal too. Because he refuses to acknowledge when it's time to make a change in that position. Speaking of giving the full impression that he feels that he has bulletproof job security... How about the Giancarlo Stanton quote? Because remember I said earlier there was another instance with Cashman that I'm going to talk about as well. This is the other instance. Saying that, just saying this straight up to the media, saying that he will likely just get hurt again next season because it seems to be a part of his game. Now Stanton's been a hot topic of discussion because of the awful 2023 he has had, quite frankly, or he had. No secret there. And it's also no secret, and we made this known when he got hurt again in 2023, even how much of a percentage of his time with the Yankees has been spent on the injured list. It's a problem. So nobody's even saying that this quote is wrong from a factual perspective. And there has been a lot of hot discussion with Stanton right now, people wanting to have the Yankees dump off his money somehow and alleviate the payroll of it and find a way to ship him elsewhere. I'm willing to give him one more shot in 2024. Lots of people elsewhere are not. So given all this, yeah, it's understandable why this quote was made. But, I mean, outside of shamelessly maybe trying to get Stanton to waive his contractual no-trade clause, because a lot of people were saying, oh, he could be trying to do that on the DL. Pun intended. Other than that, what exactly does... Basically taking a public dump on your players, especially someone like Stanton, what exactly does that accomplish? How is a comment like this to the media helpful in any way? Mind you, the player you pushed hard for and traded for, Brian. I mean, at the end of the day, If your goal was to, and I know it was taken out of context, it was a short part of an interview, but still, even mentioning, just in that light, oh, he's probably going to get hurt again. Just in that sense, it's still a valid quote of what your true thoughts are. At the end of the day, if you're feeling this way, I mean, you're only further emphasizing your own stupidity and wrongdoings, my guy. (laughs) Because this is the guy you got. (laughs) And you're talking him down, if anything, if your goal is to have him waive his no-trade clause and have him go elsewhere, you're talking him down, if anything, to potential takers in the event that he does waive the no-trade clause. Not to mention, it's already just basic knowledge that, yeah, even if even us Stanton fans have to acknowledge, he gets hurt quite a bit. So, once again... I ask two things. One, how is making a comment like that at all to the public helpful? And two, are you dumb? 
But go ahead. I mean, keep up your streak of uh, quote-unquote ballsy comments, you imbecile. It's not coming off the way you may think or want. It's only making everybody else despise you even more, bro. (laughs) I'm just being honest. But go on, carry on. Keep shooting your mouth off in public with the cameras and recorders going. You lost me two or three years ago, Brian. But I can also confidently say that at this point in time, especially seeing the reaction throughout the Yankee community and even some of the baseball community, even outside the Yankees, you have lost the vast majority of the fan base. I mean, you probably couldn't care less, and that's fine. I don't expect you to care. You don't seem to care too much about much of anything these days, optics or otherwise. Despite the fact that you're supposed to be one of the biggest faces of the Yankees organization, and you're choosing now a time period that immediately follows the worst Yankee season in over 30 years to publicly be more openly and outrageously arrogant than ever before. But I truly feel that there's almost no one, I'm sure there are still some, but I truly feel there is almost no one That still supports you. That still supports Brian Cashman. Or the process that he's so damn proud of. And probably would still somehow advocate for. Even in a 100 loss season. And Stanton's agent also hit back by the way. Basically warning free agents about going to the Yankees more or less. And guess what? (laughs) This you can't make up. Stanton's agent, Joel Wolf, who in his own way basically cautioned other people on signing with the Yankees or getting, you know, getting traded to there and what it's like to be there, more or less with his hit back after Cashman said this. And Cashman says it all was spun out of control with the coverage and whatnot. But despite all that and him saying that he's since spoken to Joel and Stanton and everything's good, whatever, whatever, who the hell knows. But Joel Wolf. When this was all going on, it happened to be conveniently mentioned that he also, on top of being Stanton's agent, happens to be representing new Major League Baseball free agent just posted from Japan. (laughs) None other than the very guy we have been talking about for months that we want the Yankees to get, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Who's being posted tomorrow, by the way? I know I just said he's been posted already, but I basically figured that I'd mentioned that he's posted already because it's just tomorrow. So he's being posted tomorrow. But just the irony (laughs) that Wolf will also be representing Yoshinobu Yamamoto when he is officially posted to Major League Baseball as a free agent from Japan as of tomorrow. So... (laughs) Just really funny that that happened to, uh, or depending on your definition of funny, that one has to do with the other, as of tomorrow, that Joel Wolf will be representing Yamamoto as well after making a statement like that, despite Cashman claiming that all is well between the two and that he's known Joel for a long time and he called him up and... <sighs> if only you didn't shoot your mouth off in the first place, you idiot. Oh, my God. So, yeah, since that's happening tomorrow, negotiations should really start up with Yamamoto starting this week. (laughs) Now, for the record, 
I want to say this. I may be coming down on Cashman Hart, especially for this quote, and Joel Wolf hitting back, and despite him saying that they're now good or whatever, and really highlighting the similarity between Joel Wolf representing both Stanton after all that and now Yamamoto when he's officially posted. But I do want to say, for the record, whether it's the Yankees or otherwise, I do think that Yamamoto and Wolf will still be going wherever the most money is. So in that sense, I don't think this will have any effect on his chances to potentially come to the Yankees personally. There's been word that the Yankees have been very much in on him as I expect them to be and as I expect many other teams to be as they've also said that many other teams are also in on him. So it's not a guarantee that he'll come here. But I do still think, I will say this, that despite all this drama of the last week plus, this nonsense that had to be arisen because Cashman just will refuses to control himself this last week and a half, I do not think that it'll have an effect if people do wonder that. I do not think it will have an effect on negotiations between the Yankees and Yamamoto. Because regardless of whether or not Wolf and Cashman are good now or were always good to begin with or whatnot, regardless of the situation, we've seen plenty of instances before where there's drama between an agent and their general manager, and yet the player still goes there because that's where they most wanted to go or that's where the most money's being offered. So with that being said, I do think that'll remain the case here. I just don't think it'll have any effect. I could be wrong. Hopefully I'm not because Yamamoto is very much one of the people I desperately want the Yankees to go for. But I don't think it changes anything. I still think that if the Yankees is truly where he wants to be, which he has alluded to the fact that he apparently has shown great respect and admiration for the Yankees, so it sounds like he likes it here, but could be a potential location for him, a landing spot. And if that's the case, and especially if the Yankees offer him more money than anyone else, I still confidently say that he will, in that case, still be a Yankee despite all this senseless drama that didn't have to begin in the first place if Brian Cashman would just stop being irrationally unhinged this last week and a half. Like I said, difference between the passion that we all want to see and hear and what we've actually gotten. Big, big difference. But yeah, man, what a saga. All thanks to our recently unhinged general manager who now picks now to show this irrational and just arrogant anger. That just doesn't hold any water, really. Just doesn't. I get being frustrated in general, but the tone that he's used and the things that he's said, the continued gaslighting and just denial of realities, lack of self-accountability, that's not any passion or respectable frustration that we are interested in as a fan base. And it just shows how oblivious this organization is probably going to continue to be going forward, which is unfortunate, and I hope they make moves to deny that notion because they really ought to. I think there is more pressure on all of them than there has been in a long time, especially just considering the basic context that, again, they are coming off of their worst season in over 30 years. So there's a lot of pressure. Even if nobody's job is necessarily in danger, they are pressured to get something done right now. That's just the fact of the matter. So hopefully they do something to alleviate that pressure and make the fans happy. Pretty sure the fans aren't towards the top of their priority, but hopefully they still do something that can really just do better for the organization, and at the same time, obviously, comes with making the fans happier, because that's really a major part of what it should all be about, but they seem to have lost massive touch with for a while now. 
So that's that. Just spent almost an hour, just about an hour on Yankees news. I warned you, there was a lot. <laughs> a lot of stuff coming in hot these last two weeks. Cashman coming in hot. I'm coming in hot. Hence the damn episode title. Hello. Let's finish up with social media, guys. <laughs> Open-ended question I teased before that it would be about Juan Soto. Question is, quite simply, in light of all the conflicting reports that I had mentioned before between the Padres GM, Scott Boris, Buster Olney, Jeff Passan, even others that have gotten in on the discussion, despite all of the conflicting reports, what do you honestly think, in light of all this, the Yankees' chances are that they actually trade for Juan Soto this offseason? So I've obviously been very upfront about my Juan Soto opinions and how much I want him here. No need to repeat all of that. But... Like I said, makes it extra complicated given what Jeff Passan has said because I take almost everything that man says as gospel, not calling him perfect and not saying he's always been correct. Nobody ever is or will be, but I really respect what he has to say and all the things that he goes on a limb with beforehand and the fact of how responsible he is with waiting to factually report something happening after it does happen and not jumping the gun just for clicks or attention or eyeballs. In my experience and in the experience of many, he is a very honorable reporter. So anytime he has something to say about it, I very much take it as as really legitimate and as close to gospel as anything in the baseball world. So that pushes me to be more confident. But like I had also mentioned before, my lack of belief in the Yankees themselves brings me back down to earth a bit. Boris and the Padres GM give me some pause as well because they're the ones closest to Soto currently, no doubt, considering that's where he is in San Diego and Boris is his agent, even though, again, they could be working their angles as well. Everybody could be here. Who knows? But all those things give me pause as well. So I'm kind of leaning at a 50-50 right now, I guess, because that's just how powerful my excitement is for Juan Soto and how great he would be here. And he gives you just a better opportunity of being successful than anybody else. Despite all the other things that give me pause, it still just about evens out. So I'm about at a 50-50 right now, if I had to say, quite frankly. But there's no doubt that if he does end up becoming available, according to reports, if there are any reports on that and we're just not hit with it out of nowhere, Juan Soto is now a New York Yankee, in which case I will just be jumping for joy and sprinting around my neighborhood in excitement. But... There's no doubt that if there's any news about that, the Yankees have to absolutely do the responsible thing and do everything in their power to get him. No doubt about that. But that's basically where my belief is, I guess, if I had to say. Let's hear what some of you had to say. Let us start off with at Evan Wetzel 11 saying, I have not trusted this organization since the 2017 offseason. That doesn't mean they won't change, but I'm worried, as always, that they will not go as hard as we want them to. I want Yamamoto and I want Soto. Why has that become too much to ask for? It's not. What I want too, man. <laughs> I totally understand you. It's what I want too. And yeah, it's been tough to take seriously what they say for the last few years. It really has been. For all the reasons I've said throughout the last few years, especially including today even. It's just hard to take them seriously, and that's the part that gives me partial pause as well. Just not believing in them. But yeah, Soto in a trade, extension afterwards, and Yamamoto, who's going to be given a lot of money. I understand the Yankees already have a lot of money on their payroll, but they're the New York Yankees, so I don't feel bad for them, number one. And number two, well, if that, if the amount of money they have already holds them back, then whose fault is that? Just the man that I was ranting about for about a half an hour before. No big deal. But still, not going to make me feel bad for them in light of that. 
Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, If the Padres are making him available, I believe the Yankees will put together a package to get him. Padres need to shed salary and need young pitching. The Yankees can help with both. I think it's an 85% chance we get him. Well, yeah, those are some of the things I mentioned before on the Padres' behalf, and that's why I think it'd be a good arrangement. Just a matter of whether or not they're willing to let him go if they truly think that they could be contenders in 2024, and they view him as being a big part of that. If they don't make him available, obviously there's nothing the Yankees can do. But if he ends up going elsewhere, which would expose the fact that he is, in fact, available, or if he's even just said publicly, if it's said that he is available and the Yankees don't get him, then that's on the Yankees. And we know that we'll need to hold them accountable, especially given the place they're in. We know that there should be almost nobody at all throughout the entire organization that they should not be willing to part ways with in exchange for Juan Soto. So at that point, you hold them accountable. And you extend him afterwards so you can hold on to him and he can continue to be the generational talent he is and give your team that much better of a chance to win a World Series for many years to come. That's what you do. And Yamamoto's got to be another example of that as well. But that obviously is a different story. It's signing. That comes to the money. It'll have to do with the money with Soto, too, if you plan on extending him. But, yeah, when it comes to the Padres, like I said before, shedding salary is a need. Young pitching is a need. Hence, the pitching prospects that I threw out there in our last episode when we talked about what the Padres could want. You have Hampton and Thorpe in the minors that I would give away. You also have, if you want, Major League Ready Talent, and I know that they expect him to be a part of the rotation next year, and he did very good in showcasing his ability to be a potential starter. Obviously, he's a very reliable long man out of the bullpen, so I like him a lot, but if I mean, if it comes down to getting Juan Soto, it's got to be, it's got to happen. If you want a Major League Ready guy already, a lot of people have brought up Michael King. So there is pitching that the Yankees could discuss with the Padres. And if they want to talk about shedding salary, then they could talk about that too if they want to get certain players on their roster off their payroll. Guys like Machado and Cronenworth come to mind. Especially Machado if you still want a third baseman. A lot of people have brought up Heimer Candelario. I wouldn't hate that as long as there are other moves made to address other big problems with the Yankees. But if you want to have them shed salary, the Padres being, and you want them to include him and that'll probably extend the package a bit, then... You know, that's something they'll have to work out, but those are just some names to throw out there. But yeah, both sides definitely have their needs. Juan Soto would for sure fill a huge one for the Yankees and probably be the biggest piece of the puzzle aside from Yamamoto. And it's the Yankees' responsibility if the Padres make him available to do whatever it takes to get it done. At Crusaders BBNY says, highly unlikely. I get it. Totally understand, especially if what the Padres said and what or the Padres GM, I should say specifically, and Boris said is giving people pause. I get it. Or if it's just lack of belief in the Yankees organization, like I mentioned, totally get it. I do. At Rebirth Chaos 09, my buddy James says 45%. It's very specific. (laughs) I'm pessimistic because I want to believe, but what has Hal shown us that makes us think he'll pull the trigger? Knowing the Yankees' luck, they won't get him, and I'll be so angry because it was right there for you. I hope I'm wrong. But if we don't get Soto by 2026, the Yankees are done. Yeah, 2026 or 2027, those are the big numbers. And we spoke about that in the last episode, even that we spoke about that in person, James, when we last hung out. Those are the big years that given where the Yankees are and where certain vital players are age-wise, those are some big years if the Yankees don't get somebody like Soto. The window will really start to close for the Yankees if you don't do anything major like that. So 
I totally hear you there. Someone like Soto helps that along. Goes without saying. We've got my other friend Laura up next at Laura underscore Icemont saying 50%. I can see it going both ways. Either the Yankees talk to the Padres or the Padres decide they don't make him available. It's not a bad point, Laura. I'm inclined to agree. That's about where I'm sitting. At Schwabi Muse says, I'm probably just echoing most of the replies at this point. Sorry about that. I literally just got stuck on that word. <laughs> But it feels really doable. A move we could swing if we were actually championship caliber or, quote-unquote, a fully operational Death Star. But I guess we're all resigned to more mediocre moves that will leave us short again. You're not wrong. That's what I was saying. Sometimes it's a matter of your belief or lack thereof in the Yankees to do what's right as well. Fully operational Death Star, another mocking of Brian Cashman, as if any more is needed. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. It's doable. If the Padres make it allowable, then uh, yeah, got to do everything in your power. It's just what's responsible and what's right. At Evelyn42 says, it's doable, but with the hesitation to put together actual deals the past few years, I feel that Cashman may not jump. However, now that Cole won the Cy Young, perhaps the perspective will change with Judge having influence in the front office, so I say 50-50 depending on the day. It kind of does depend on the day in certain reports as they come out, yeah. Because I was feeling pretty down in the dumps after what the Padres GM and Scott Boris said, but then only in passing came out and restored my hope a bit. So I, yeah, I guess it does depend on the day a lot. That's a good point. But yeah, there has been hesitation. That's what I said. A lot of things being passed up on. I mentioned that earlier in the show past few years, and that's, that'll give you pause. Just lack of belief in the Yankees. But yeah, Cole winning the Cy Young, I don't think that'll have an effect on it. I should think it's just Cole being great and getting what he deserves. But Yeah, Judge definitely has more influence. They say he does. They say they're going to him and getting his input on things a lot more. And Judge has been pretty vocal about what he thinks could help fix things. So, that should be fine. But yeah, hope so. Hope he's uh, advocating for things like this. For for players like Juan Soto and saying that that would be a good thing to do. I hope so. If they're really taking his word that seriously. At Tom Byron 4 says he would be a rental and San Diego will want a haul. I'd say about a 25% chance. Well, here's the thing. I mentioned people like this saying this before, saying, oh, he would just be a rental. Uh, says who? I doubt it would happen, especially with as big a package, if it didn't mean extending afterwards, if they didn't value him long term. So I, I just think it would be nonsensical if they didn't plan on extending him because especially the fact that what I mentioned before he's still really young he's just in his mid-20s so yeah I don't think that's a reason to say that it wouldn't be good I just completely disagree just arguing that he'd be a rental and even if he did stick around for just a year you wouldn't want a year of Juan Soto (laughs) I don't know I just think it's crazy how people talk themselves into that I think it's completely nonsensical personally it's just factually incorrect based off the kind of player he is at Newt Zachary says, 75% in favor. Nice. Like to hear that. At Vin doesn't have FB says, Cashman cares so much about how he's perceived that he's terrified of being seen as fleeced in a trade. I expect a we couldn't come to a deal that made all parties comfortable statement and a move for a past his prime outfielder. That's what's happened at certain points. So yeah, I mean, if they just completely don't make him available, then that's that's on the Padres, you know? You can't force a trade that one side is just completely disinterested in making no matter what you offer. 
even if it is a deal that should get it done. But yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I don't just I don't really think he's terrified of much of anything because <laughs> he just doesn't seem to really care about that much, especially how he is perceived and how the Yankees are perceived because of just the tirades he went on in the last week and a half. So not so sure he cares that much about that. Not sure he cares about too much, especially not his job security. But hey, who knows? Who knows? I'm just hoping it'll happen. That's where I'm at. At Yankee Ken says 50-50. It's about where I'm at. Fair enough. Spencer at Musician DMD says, no, I don't see it happening. Padres GM stated Soto is in the Padres' plans for 2024. That can change, but the remark suggests he's poising to get the Padres back to winning, not rebuilding, or seeking a hard-to-digest return. I have no expectations that Juan Soto will be wearing the Yankee pinstripes to the chagrin, but not the surprise of the Yankees' universe. The Yankees don't see a need to have to make major changes despite the 82-80 and 80 2023 season. I don't see any major headlines this offseason. Well, yeah, like I said, that had me feeling down at the dumps first, or down in the dumps at first with the Padres GM. Uh, but then it changes day-to-day based on other reports, even though the Padres GM does hold a lot of water, being the general manager of the freaking Padres. No doubt about that. But like you said, that could change. Other people saying the opposite does add some interesting feelings to the equation. But yeah, if that does come to fruition, that last part about the Yankees not really feeling the need to make any major moves after after they've had factually their worst season in over 30 years and just constantly regressing, and they're at an all-time high for pressure when it comes to the last few decades, like that much, <laughs> I um, think that that says a lot. It would be a massive tell-all about how much this organization truly cares about winning. You could argue that that's happened a lot in recent years past, but considering that they've never factually been this low in over 30 years, that would be the biggest tell-all at any point within these last over 30 years. So they better be very careful. Very, very careful. At JBW Card says 65%. It's another precise one. <laughs> At Blizzard M17 says zero. Damn. <laughs> oh, that sucks. I can't blame people, though. Can't blame them if they're going by the statements from the Padres and Scott Boris and their lack of belief in the Yankees. If that trumps anything, then yeah, you would be at a zero. Makes sense. At Bill Brown 35 says 50-50. Normally I'd be more pessimistic, but the pressure is on Cashman and Hal. Yeah, that's one fact. Whether they care about it or not, yeah, the pressure is on them more than ever. These last over 30 years. More than ever in that time. At Jerry Chesler says, While past performance is no guarantee of future results, I am pessimistic. Recent history does not bode well. Yeah, we were talking about how how much they've passed up on the last few years. Absolutely. You're right. Tina at Mountain Gal 456 says, I think it's definitely doable by the Yankees. They need to take this seriously and get after it. We all know to get something really good, you may very well need to give something good as well. Listening to all the Yankee fans, they want him desperately on this team. Yep, and I fall into that category. (laughs) Definitely do. At RG Cantelmo says, very low. He'll cost more than the Yankee fans believe he will. Then Yanks need to commit to 400 plus million to sign him to a long-term deal. Can't see both happening. 
Well, listen, if they have to commit to big money, and they have, they've had to in the last few years to guys like Cole and Judge, then Soto's another guy you do it on. And if money elsewhere prevents you from doing that, then that's a testament to Brian Cashman's poor allocation of money more than anything else. So I'm not going to feel bad for them when it comes to that. I've said that before, and I'll say it again. So, I mean, if he comes here, just the responsible thing to do is extend. I think anybody would agree with that. It would still be nice to have one year of Juan Soto rather than none. No argument there, but it would obviously make infinitely more sense to extend him upon arrival. At Matthew 540, 27550. I lose track of all these numbers, guys. Come on, get your handles together. <laughs> says, I think the Yankees can do it, but it'll take the right package and a willingness to spend more money on payroll. Any package would need to include one of Spencer Jones or Dominguez and a top pitching prospect like Hampton or Thorpe. Yeah, we spoke about all of it. Spoke about all of it two weeks ago. We know the deal. It would definitely have to be a respectable package, that's for sure. No doubt about it. All right. Let's get to a couple of others before we wrap up here. Up next, we have at Mark Plum 63 saying slim. Yeah, can't blame you. Cannot. All right, let's do the usual final two. As always, there's a, a bunch more that I haven't gotten to yet, but just too many is. Keep on trying. I know that there are a lot of people who I did get to today that a lot of times I don't, so some of you as I hit on, I try to hit on as many as I possibly can, but there's only so many I can get to in the time that I have, guys. Just keep on trying every week. Doesn't mean I appreciate you any less. I appreciate you a ton for ever applying. You guys know that, as if I didn't tell you that enough around episode 200 as a reminder. All right, so let's do the usual final two, as always. First up is my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and she says, If he is truly available, I think there is less than a 50% chance the organization will make the move. Look how long they took to sign Judge, someone who has proven himself on the team, until Hal stepped in and talked to him himself, it seemed. But then again, if Hal cares enough about his organization not being a dumpster fire anymore, maybe he'll step in again. Who knows anymore? I mean, maybe. We were told that Hal was a big reason, or maybe the reason, that the judge negotiations were pushed over the line, finally, when they were. Um, obviously, it's going to be majorly up to Brian Cashman. He's the general manager, really supposed to be heading up these trades, but maybe Hal will put his two cents in. And if it's able to happen, maybe he'll push it forward across the finish line. Who knows? We don't really know the in-depth details a lot of the time, what goes on behind the scenes, because we're not within the organization. So, all we can do is continue to comment and speculate like I do on this little microphone here. That's the best that we can do. So, yeah, but that's absolutely right. I don't blame you for feeling that way, Vic. A lot of people just don't believe in the Yankees to do the right thing, especially not if Cashman is at the forefront of it. Like myself. All right, last but certainly not least, as always, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says... Hey, Mike. Welcome back. Thanks, Mom. To answer your question, I actually do think the Yankees will go after and get Soto, if said by such a credible source. I hope it will happen. This team needs a lot to resurrect from the disaster, which they have become. What do you think? Am I pipe dreaming? No, I don't think you're pipe dreaming. I think until it is definitive and all is said and done, that it's speculation like all the rest of us. That's what I think, and you're allowed to do so. Nobody knows the in-depth facts as we're not in on everything. Everybody can work their own angle when it comes to talking to the media. 
and people could just be straight up wrong. So even those who are closer to the situation than us, so all we can do is speculate and hypothesize as best as we possibly can and continue to debate any points that are of debate. And uh, that's really it. So I don't think you're pipe dreaming. Some people may accuse you of doing so, but the fact of the matter is, unless they're within the organization or perhaps a reporter as big as Olney or Passan, they probably don't know any better than you. So they don't really have the right to say that fully. But that's cool that you think they'll go after him. I appreciate the confidence. Part of me still believes that they very well could, and I hope they do with every ounce of my being, of course. But yeah, to add on to what I was saying before, credible sources saying that they will, and very well could, certainly doesn't hurt. Guys like Passan, and even only to a degree, but especially guys like Passan, hell yeah, that's how I feel, and I know that I told you about that, so that is what you are referring to. But yeah, it's hard to disagree and have that raise your confidence because we're all hoping it'll happen, or at least the vast majority of us who have even a half of a functioning brain. That's all I know. Well, with that being said, guys, that does bring us just about to the end of episode 202 of Yapping Yankees. What fiery discussion today, huh? Lots poured in these last couple of weeks, so I think it was actually a good thing taking these last couple of weeks off and just letting it all pour out today. Lots of fiery discussion, lots of passion going on here, as always. Hope you guys enjoyed, hope it was entertaining, hope it was informative, as always. So many of you always are so kind as to tell me that this is one of the more entertaining and informative shows that you've heard, and that means the world to me, guys, because not only is it really hard to do that, and match up with other shows with that because I am just me and the vast majority of other shows has at least another co-host. Not to say that that doesn't require talent of its own because it does. Getting chemistry with another person is definitely very hard to do and making it work, especially long term, that is a very hard task to successfully perform and achieve. But being solo is too and making it entertaining when it's really just you and the microphone and people listening after the fact. Or live, if it's a live show, still the same concept. So, if it is that entertaining for you, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that because of the work I put into this show. And I hope it just continues to be that. Keep on trying to bring it every single time I come back at you for 202 times now. So there's that. But before we end that 202nd time, remember to follow me on all socials if you do not already, my friends. Facebook fan page for me is Mike Scudero NY. Twitter, or X, is at MikeScudero, and Instagram is MikeScuds97. Please be sure to also subscribe to all four platforms that Yapping Yankees is available on. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all four like all of you always do such a great job at doing. And if you've missed any Yapping Yankees episodes, well, do not fret because episodes 34 up to episode 202 today are all available on YouTube and every single Yapping Yankees episode going all the way back to episode one about four and a half years ago almost, all the way up to today. Those are all available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. But once again, I thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my friends, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you in two Sundays again. Another reminder, no episode next week, Thanksgiving weekend. I will talk to you in two Sundays on December the 3rd when I come at you with episode 203 of Yapping Yankees, also again during the winter meetings. That's going to be fun. 
lots of discussion is going to be swirling even more so than today. So it should be interesting, my friends. We'll talk about that and everything that happens from now until then. And speaking of until then, as I always say, hang in there, be patient, stay safe, look out for your loved ones, go ahead and kick life's ass this week, my friends, even if it is a shorter week, thanks to Thanksgiving. And speaking of that, I again want to wish all of you ahead of time a very happy Thanksgiving. Hope you all have a nice day with your family, with your loved ones. Have a nice, relaxing day and weekend, like you deserve. And we all use it as a chance to kick back and enjoy and reset, as all holidays have the purpose, at least partially, of doing. So, hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving and enjoy. I know that I am beyond thankful for my family, my loved ones, my friends, baseball, anime, Star Wars, Rocky, and on top of baseball, just sports overall, just... <laughs> A lot I'm thankful for. Lots that I am. And it's just a time to reflect on all that. So let's all do that. And also try not to eat yourselves to death either because that's unhealthy. If you do, then go work out. You should be working out anyway. Work out anyway. Always advocate for physical fitness as you always see on my social medias if you follow me. So before I just continue to talk about nonsense and just stay here and never shut up, once again, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Here's to hoping the Yankees do something either in the next two weeks or maybe during the winter meetings or shortly thereafter, so we could really have something to celebrate, hopefully. But in the meantime, until we meet again, as always, take care, and let's go Yanks.